Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. All right, time for that some of that high adventure stuff. We have a lot to uh, get done here in the next uh, hour and a half or so, but looking forward to reconnecting this week, Russ, with uh, Tim Ryan. He was on with us last week. Right. Anybody that listened, what did we decide? It was five years ago, I yeah. think? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, when the row ALS were headed across the Atlantic, right. and we uh, checked in with them every this, week. This pretty much verifies these guys are crazy. <laughs> well, no. some of them are crazy. Uh, Tim, you said not everybody's back on this trip, but a few are. That's right. We've got uh, three of our original crew members and uh, a new addition, my 25-year-old son, Abel, yeah. currently at, at the oars um, in between uh, visits to the bucket, bar bucket. <laughs> yeah. Definitely getting some trial by fire, as we all are yeah. a little bit. Visits to the bucket. Um, the bucket. Do you want to explain what's going on there or no? <laughs> Well, you know, when you get reintroduced to uh, life at sea, right, it takes usually there's two, three days of seasickness. Yeah. It's uh, in various degrees. In fact, even uh, yours truly uh, was a one-hit wonder there, which I've I've never been seasick on this boat at all. But, um, yeah, it happens. Those are a long 72 hours. Yeah, they sure can be. Yeah. you know, we came out yesterday, departed from uh, Monterey Bay, and uh, really knocked off about half of our goal in 12 hours. We had some uh, nice. uh, whipping winds, about 30 knots, and uh, great, uh, very favorable currents and big waves. The worst part about it, you know, just freezing cold, but yeah, we got through it. Yeah. All right, so for those that weren't listening last week, you're making a uh, prep run here for what will be a row over to Hawaii, uh, but right now you're making your way up the coast, correct? Yeah, so we're on a, a five-day training training row. Um, we brought the boat out here uh, uh, Saturday, <clears throat> trailed it over, and uh, spent Sunday, Monday doing a marine survey inspection and some really cool uh, roll testing these ocean rowing boats are required to be self-riding. And uh, so this particular one had never been tested, and recently a sister ship was lost at sea. So the race organization that we're with um, wanted us to do some additional testing and modeling, um, which we did. So so we used a, a big uh, 
uh, travel crane, you know, in in the harbor there, um, tied a, a rope basically to one end, and uh, and we rolled her and watched herself right three times in uh, full race regalia, right, all our gear, equipment, storage, full, and crew on board, which was another fun thing to do. Wow. All right, so are you strapped in when you do this, or you come back up with the boat? So if, if your crew on deck, you would be strapped to the boat um, on a jack line and then to a to a harness, basically a like a rock climbing harness to yourself. And then um, so with a four-man crew, we'd have two men in cabin, two men on deck. So we did this one, you know, typically when the boat rolls over, the, the guys on deck are pitched into the sea, uh, anyway, so they don't really add to the capability of the boat to write or not. <clears throat> so we let them off the hook, right? So they just didn't have to get wet. Yeah. And uh, and then those those that were in the cabin, we just kind of rode it over and and rode it as she rolled back, and it, it really was um, uh, pretty smooth, you know. So is the cabin surprised. is the cabin watertight? Yeah. Okay. Yep, so they're, they're watertight uh, hatches on there that handle something like ridiculous, 300 pounds a square inch or something. And uh, uh, so you just sort of tumble gently with the boat, and next thing you knew, you're on the ceiling. And nice. uh, this boat was very, very excited to get right <laughs> again. It was hard. It was, they had a hard time tipping it, you know, Yeah. Uh, because there's so much air contained in those cabins and so much weight along the keel that uh, they really had to had to yank it over. It wasn't until the second test they could actually get her to fully invert, sit on the ceiling for just a minute, and then tip back nice. over. But really fun exercise. That's funny. Uh, Russ, you and I were talking about this yeah. last week because yeah. we knew they were going to do this. Right. And it's like uh, what they train you to do on a kayak, for instance. Well, you have you to go. be able yeah. to roll and yeah. get yourself back up. Uh, but that's maybe the best description of a boat. We'd all be uh, jonesing for a boat that's excited to right itself, which is a, <laughs> right. a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we were pretty pleased with the performance, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So you're headed and south, then, correct? Yeah, so we're headed south. I'm, I'm imagining I'm, I'm taking the tour of the California coast from right. a different perspective. You know, we um, pass by the Brixton Bridge uh, just before sunset, really spectacular mm. from the water, and and uh, Pebble Beach, of course, and uh, Carmel by the Sea. And uh, we ought to be coming up on Hearst Castle yeah. um, sometime in the near future. And so we won't get the tour, but we'll get a look at it. And are you doing this 24 hours a day? Yeah. So so last night, um, we we only rode to about 8 o'clock. But, again, we had covered half the distance that we planned to in, in a, in a five-day row. In fact, we're still going to finish early, you know, and, and maybe hang out in the harbor for a bit and do drills. But um, so last night uh, we did another cool exercise, which um, was deploy our para anchor or parachute anchor or commonly known as a sea anchor. Mm-hmm. So it's a large, uh, looks, looks like a parachute. It's maybe eight or nine feet across with a bunch of lines to a central shackle. And we essentially tie that off to the front of the boat, and that will put drag uh, below the water, spin the boat so it's facing straight into the wind, 
and then we just will hang there and and not get blown across the sea. So it's it's a great way to to, to hang out if there's some reason you don't want to be on deck. And and last night it was just miserably cold, <laughs> and we thought, well, we're we're way ahead of time, so this is a good exercise, you know, to experience and know how to use the equipment and. Uh, um, and so that's what we did, and then just kept watch all night from inside, and uh, which we can do using our instruments and stuff to make sure that we weren't uh, moving yeah. at all. You've got Sky Call on board. We were mentioning last week, and you fan- found your BGAN unit, which was a good thing. Uh, yep. But it sounds yep. like you're on your own cell right now. It's a beautiful signal. Yeah, I picked up on the cell phone today, and and uh, we use the Sky Call. Um, on uh, Monday, you know, tested all our communications, and 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 that's a flawless uh, system. I would talk. In fact, I called my daughter, who's living in Grenada, mm. and uh, so Sky Call took us halfway around the world. Nice. And uh, uh, we've got her stored in a hatch, and I was like, oh well, rather than there's one guy taking a nap right now, I'm like, I'll just grab my cell phone. And uh, yeah, and our comms are all working um, pretty well, I think. Um, I think I've got a loose wire in our automated information system. So I was able to bleep out a signal up in Monterey Bay, but since then, nothing. And I've got a couple of friends following who are like, hey, you're not blipping a signal, um, nor am I receiving any, but um, we'll get that attended to. It's, always, it's a boat, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. always something. Yeah, well, it's good to have you on a, on a cell phone. That's that's a lot clearer. You know, if if we had known that, to start with, I would have set you up with some Wilson equipment so you had a good amplifier and better signal on the cell phone. So next time. Well, no, next time. <laughs> yeah. Normally we're pretty far off, but it's yeah. just it's an absolutely beautiful day out here, and I'm I'm surprised. You know, on the California coast, they've had some pretty tough weather the last uh, weeks and months, and we have not seen a single other vessel out here at all Mm. which surprises me because this week is like the weather beautiful weather well it's a good thing you're going it's a good thing you're going north to south because i looked at the forecast and the pacific northwest has some more rain coming that Mm. way so maybe you'll stay ahead of it well it does we just uh we were watching our wind uh app and that's one of the things we were determined to get ahead of when the pressure system changes up there the winds are going to turn and come out of the south as they go up the coast. But we're well beyond it now. Yeah. All right, Tim, you be safe out there. Thanks for sharing. And some of the details are yeah. things I'd never heard it's before. Fun. Yeah. Great. We'll check in again. All right. Have a Thanks great a lot, weekend. Tim. All right, Tim Bye. Ryan. Uh, if people want to share their adventure with us, we always encourage them to do that. And, and I always feel like I have to say it doesn't mean you're going to be paddling your way no. across the Pacific. We get more calls out of state than we do in state. We want to hear both both. Areas, you know, yeah. in states, nice too, and just get a hold of the Sky Call, uh, SkyCallSatellite.com, or just give us a call at eight zero one four five zero eight three one seven, and we'll get you set up. That's great, and and they're going to be done with this prep run, this I, test run this week, I think. I think by the end of yeah. Well, maybe we'll have one more week. He's about halfway. So. Okay. Be nice uh, to get a wrap up next week. But when they start that trek across the Pacific to the Hawaiian who knows how long that'll take? <laughs> like you said, if we can even find the Hawaiian Islands, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that'll be something yeah. for you to look forward to as a listener to look forward to checking in and finding out how the guys are doing. Stay with us. We'll take a break. Navi's coming back in, and we'll uh, get you some fish bites coming up. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Next. Bubba had a dream, Bubba had a wish, yeah. to find himself a woman that loved the fish. One day at the tackle shop, his dream came true, and now for everyone he catches, she catches too. Hey, hey Bubba. Bubba! She fishes better than you! Yeah. Nami, Nami has confirmed that, by the way, with his years of classes. No, the lady's out, out fish the men by a lot. Yeah. But people say, my Gail doesn't fish, and that's why we're still together, because when she's angry, she says, don't you have to fish or something? <laughs> that's good. Uh, my guess is that conversation is going to come up a lot yeah. more since you retired, too. <laughs> Because now she can't go to work to get away from you. That's a problem. <laughs> All right. So you said you were going to talk to us about what's coming here with uh, what's sure to be right. fast, cold, high water. All right. So what fish bites do I do in this predicament, okay? Well, I'm going to go with three things that you need to know. First, the, the rivers are done. you got to stay away. They're getting dangerous now. This is Thursday. The sun is up in a beautiful way. I suspect this this weekend will be the first dangerous weekend uh, look, I've been fishing in deep. My boys can't believe I'll get into a flooded river and catch fish, but don't do that, okay? Just don't put your kids near the water right now, and you're going to say, how long? It's going to be at least a month, okay? Yeah. So don't even consider fishing the river right now. And the next question to, to be asked is, when's ice coming off, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's another tricky question, too, because not only do we have the temperatures where they are and the ice where it is, we got three feet of snow on it. And so what's going to cause that to melt is when the snow goes first. And what you need to understand is when there's snow on the lake, it increases the albedo. Obviously, it protects the surface of the ice from getting ultraviolet rays that are going to melt it. More importantly, it reflects everything back. So it's going to take significantly longer to get ice-free water, Okay. And lastly, what do I do in the meantime? Well, I'm going to give you the perfect, you know, perfect answer, and that is community fisheries. Uh, the community fisheries are going to be fine. I suspect there's a few that are still iced over, but they're going to be uniced in a matter of moments, and they still go through that same ice-off phenomenon, which means all the fish are going to move from the middle of the lake to near the shore, right where your kids can access them, So the community fisheries are going to be where you're going to be for the next month, and it's going to be fun, all right? But here's what you need to know. Where the water is coming in, it's going to be a little bit dangerous. Even though it's in the community ponds and those are smaller streams, they're going to come in. Now, when it comes in and it comes in cloudy, off-color, 
a muddy, royally, whatever term you want to use, you want to fish the periphery of that. So when you look out into the water, you can see what is the clear water, blue water, and then what is the dark water, the brown water. You want to fish right on the cusp of both. So you're going to put your bobber right on the edge because all the fish are going to stay in the clear water, but that mucky water is bringing in all their nutrition. So they're going to line up. You're going to kill them on the, on the community ponds. And people say, well, I don't know my community ponds. Well, I'm going to read a couple to you right now that I looked up. I was actually looking up stocking reports. And um, anyway, I'm going to read a few. You need to know that I'm dyslexic, so I'll probably make up a lake you never <laughs> heard. Um, but what I want you to understand as I looked them up is that there's a number of them, a handful of them that need volunteers. And by the way, if you think it's fun catching a fish, you need to know from experience, I'm telling you, watching somebody who's never caught a fish catch a fish, that is the best part of the whole day. It doesn't yeah. matter how many you got, just the one that they got. So some of you guys out there, you want to go to these little ponds and you want to help these kids. It's universally true. Every kid loves to pull in a fish. Whether it sticks and it becomes a lifetime hobby, that might be different. But I'm 100% telling you these kids don't know anything about it. And you say, I don't know very much. You know more than they do. And they don't care how big or small it is. We do. They don't. No, they don't care at all. Okay, so obviously the ones I'm going to read are the ones that I, I know about. And I think you should be... You know, considering as a, a community fishery, the Bountiful Lake Ponds, obviously. Uh, Mayor's Pond up in Brigham City, Pioneer Park in Brigham City. I've never fished Lehigh Hills in Cedar City, but I'm very familiar with Steed's Pond in Clearfield and Clinton Pond. I don't know Sunset Pond in Draper. The Farmington Ponds are always great, and the Smith family in Far West. Um, some of these I'm looking at are still too high, and they're going to be frozen, so I'm just going to get the lower ones for us. The Kaysville Pond, I have an intimate relationship with that lake, and its impact on my family is just un- unimaginable, but you need to know it's one of those ones that needs volunteers. Okay, so the Kaysville Pond needs volunteers, and one of my favorite ones is Andy Adams Pond. Uh, Andy Adams Reservoir, they call it, in Layton, it needs volunteers. Um, there's another one in Murray called Willow Pond. I'm not familiar with it, but they need volunteers. And another one in Orem. I know Vivian Park very well. And it might have ice on it because it's kind of up the canyon, but it's on the cusp of melting. It needs volunteers. The Park City Deer Valley Ponds are going to be frozen. I'm telling you, I was there yesterday. you got a long time till those are great. By the way, those are great fishing. Uh, get up there in, the, in um, June. Okay, Spring Lake and Payson probably frozen, um, but the Manila Creek Pond in Pleasant Grove also needs volunteers. Um, Roy, the Meadow Creek needs volunteers. I got it, uh, I got it, Salem I got it. Pond. Yeah, okay. we're, we're out of time, but you're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. If they want more information, they can just go to the division website, right? Right, right. And you know what? Don't stop fishing just because the rivers are totally dangerous and swollen, okay? Yeah. Just just change where you fish. All right. It's wildlife.utah.gov. Navadomskis is always the best. Coming yeah. up, we'll talk about how this winter has been impacting your uh, hunting and how it may impact your hunt coming up this fall. Rusty Robinson will join us from the division coming up right after news at the top of the hour. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. 
and I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.